You know, this is the last Sunday of the year. And, you know, nothing magical happens on January 1st. But it's a wonderful time for us to uh, take an inventory of the previous year, look forward to the new year. At times, it's, it's wonderful. Uh, it's, it can be just this moment where you can say, you know, I'm going to release the past. I'm going to step into the future. I want to say to all of you this morning, congratulations, you made it. Amen. You made it. Um, you survived all of your tests. Isn't that great? You survived all your tests. When I was thinking about this, and they, uh, I thought, oh, you know, I was going to say, you passed all your tests. Well, that might not be true. You may not have passed all your tests this year, but you survived them, right? I mean, there is actually something to say about that. I even read this uh, Facebook post a while back, something to that effect. You know, it was like, congratulations, you have, have overcome all your obstacles. I mean, if you are still upright, you are, you've made it. And, and what's great is, is there's an opportunity now um, as we look forward to, to make some changes, to take an inventory of the past, to make some changes for the future. Um, you know, I hope you passed all your tests. I know I didn't. So likely there's been a few tests this year that you just, you didn't pass, you may have survived. But what we can do today and, and as we begin in the new year is begin to look at ourselves and look at the Word of God and, and that's what we want to do in this morning is I want to give us some, some keys um, to take some inventory and to look and, and how to go into this next year. Tuesday marks the beginning of the new year. Don't know what your plans are for Monday night. Um, you know, as I'm getting older, midnight is getting later and later. And from, from the giggles in the room, I can, I'm going to you know, take a wild guess that not all of you stay up till midnight anymore. Yes. Uh, <laughs> it's, I, I mean, I, I remember the, I, one year I actually went to bed before midnight already. And I'm like, it's happening. <laughs> it's happening. You know, and, and whether you're awake for it or not, the old year will pass away and the new year will come, Right. But Tuesday marks the beginning of the new year, and it's full of hope and promise. It, it, next year is full of hope and promise, even though you may feel that it's full of dread. And you might be sitting this morning, and, and you might be one of the ones that Joe's talking about who's lost somebody, who's grieving, who's having a really difficult time. And, and for you, you might be going, all I see next year is, is dread. But I, I want to encourage you that there is hope and there is promise no matter what the situation that you're in. It doesn't have to be full of dread. Now, we don't preach a gospel here in this church that says that everything's just going to be great and rosy. That's just, unfortunately, it's just not the truth. And it's, and, and it's important for me not to just ever preach my circumstances and my experiences because, you know, we, we can have bad experiences. But the Bible doesn't promise that everything is going to be peachy, keen, and rosy. But it does teach that in Christ, we will be okay and more than okay. It teaches us that in Christ, we're never alone. That there's always a hope. And sometimes the hope is not even in the world that we live in. Sometimes the hope that we have is in the world to come. 
the Bible even talks about mourning. It says that, that when somebody dies, when somebody passes away, there's mourning. But it says that as believers, as believers, we don't mourn like the world does. And, and sometimes people make that sound like we're not supposed to mourn at all. That's not what it says. It says that we don't mourn as the world does. Why? Because we have a hope. It's not that we don't mourn, it's that we know that after the, the difficulties and sadness of this life, we have hope of a resurrection for us and our loved ones that have called on the name of Jesus Christ. So this next year can be a year that's full of hope and promise. And if we will begin to put our eyes and continue to keep our eyes on Jesus, the Bible says, put your eyes upon Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, then, then we'll have that hope and promise. And if we'll do that, we can see that every problem is an opportunity for progress. Every problem is just an opportunity for progress. Every trial is just an opportunity for triumph. Every trial is an opportunity for triumph, and every test is an opportunity for a testimony. So you can't have a testimony without a test. And so as we go into this next year, we have to keep those things in front of us. That Listen, the problems are going to come, but as you overcome a problem, you can have progress in your life. Amen? Isn't, don't, don't we want progress? Have you ever just struggled with the same thing over and over and over again? It's no fun. But have you, ever, have you ever conquered something? There's progress. Even, even if it's in school, and I'm, you know, I'm so proud of, of Shannon. She's in, in school again, and she's uh, going to get her uh, AA degree this, this after this uh, spring semester. And she just took... Um, she's going to be an awesome counselor, and that's what she's getting her degree in, um, and which is good in, the, in our family because we need a lot of it. Um, but she just took a statistics class college-level statistics, and it was really hard. Some of you, if you've ever had that class, I love number stuff. I didn't have any idea what statistics was all about. It was really hard, and, and excuse the vernacular here, it was just kicking her butt. It was just, she was really having a hard time. Praise God, Bonnie intervened and, and, and told her to call Matt, her son, who has a bachelor's degree with a major in statistics. And so he started, he started helping her through that. And um, in fact, you know, there was one time that she was over there for a couple hours and, and with Matt and his wife, and they were going through this. And Matt's like, this is horrible. This book is bad. This problem is bad. I mean, so there was a reason she was having a hard time. So she pushed through. And a couple times she goes, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to quit. You ever feel that way? Right? We've done it. We, we felt that way. Sometimes we've quit. She goes, I just, just, just want to quit. She goes, no, I'm, I'm going to do this. I, I'm going to do this because she, she has a goal. And she cannot reach her goal without this class. And so she pushed through. And at one point she says, I, I may get a D. I, and I got to get a C. You know, she's going maybe a C or a D. And then she kept pressing. And I tell you, she, she just studied and studied and studied. And she, you know, hours and hours every week. And, and just, I mean, she did her time. I mean, it was like a prison sentence, right? <laughs> We didn't eat for three months. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, she did her time, and, and as time went on, she's like, oh, she started getting it a little bit, and she started having progress. Pretty soon, she's, I'm going to get a C. And then she kept working harder and harder, and, and over a little bit over halfway, she started getting a little bit better, and she began to see a, she began to see a B, and she goes, I might get a B. 
and she's she's been A's and B's her you know her college career she, since she's gone back and she's been doing really good and and so I mean she just she had a problem and she kept pressing in and we prayed a lot and she but she she did the work too and she pressed in and pressed in and pressed in and and she just got her grade over the weekend she pulled off an A Because with every problem, there's a potential for progress. And we have to look at everything that comes up and say, you know what? I can have progress in my life. Do you have a problem with anger? When things come up and begin to make you angry, you, we have a choice. We have things to apply in the Word of God that can say, I can have progress with my anger. I don't have to fly off the handle every time something happens. And you can begin to put things into practice where anger is slower and slower. The idea with, with things like anger and those emotions that overwhelm us is to teach ourselves to, to not react immediately, to give us a moment to think before we respond. See, God put something in, in the human nature, in, in, in us as people, that's different from the animal kingdom. In the animal kingdom, there's a stimulus and there's a response. Right? There, they, there's a stimulus and there's a response. With people, he gives us something that's awesome. And in between the stimulus and our response as people, he gives us the ability to choose that response. But most of the time, unfortunately, many of us kind of act like animals and we don't take that moment to choose our response. But as, as believers, full of the Holy Ghost, with the fruit of the Spirit growing in our life, that, that moment of response can get larger and larger to when things come in. We say, you know what? I'm going to choose my words. I'm going to choose my response. So, so when a problem comes into your life, as a believer, as a, as a human being created in the image of God, you can turn a problem into an opportunity for progress. You can, you can turn that trial that we're all going to have this year into an opportunity to God show, for God to show his faithfulness and turn it into a testimony. And let God show himself faithful in our circumstances when we will trust in him. Again, when something comes, we have to have that moment where we're going to say, am I going to trust in God? It's the moment to choose your response. Am I going to trust in God that he's going to provide for me financially? Am I going to trust in God that he's going he's to take care of our, our, of our health issues? Am I going to trust in God? And to st sometimes just sit back and look at that uh, opportunity for that test to become a testimony. That test that comes in. In these trials, what I want to see in my life more and more is when the trials come, that, that I'll have the drive and let the Lord move in my life. And there, there's, a, there's a dual thing here. See, God does not force us to do anything. He gives us everything we need. The Bible says that we have everything we need for life and godliness in Christ Jesus. But that doesn't mean that we rely on it or we use it, we tap into it, we step into it. We have to do our part. God's part is fully available to us. And I want to be like, like Shannon in her, in her class. I want to say that when the, trial, when the trial comes, it turns into a triumph. Because we don't want to lose heart. The Bible says not to lose heart. We want to press in to him and to everything that comes our way. And, and without excuse. Without excuse. You know, we have wonderful excuses. We have wonderful excuses. Well, I, I, I get angry because I'm German. 
You know, that's just who I am. You know, as Germans, we just get angry. I drink too much because I'm Irish. You know what I found out, though? If you, you know, I think I've heard just about every ethnicity use that one. I drink too much because I'm Irish. I drink too much because I'm Russian. I drink too much because I'm German. I drink too much because I'm part fish. You know, we have these excuses that come and, and we just use them as excuses and, we, and what that does, that gets us off the hook. No, we're going to get rid of those things and say, you know what, I am a child of God, made in His image, full of the Holy Ghost and power and He's given me everything I need for life and godliness and when the trials and the tests come my way, I'm going to triumph and have a testimony. Amen. Amen. So that's not even part of my message. That was just the, the introduction of my message here. I got 13 more pages. We'll just have fun this morning. But, it, but it's the beginning, and we need to have that understanding as we go in to this, as we end this year. And then next year, we may have another kind of beginning of the year because we want to we wanna start well in our lives. So one of the things we need to do at the end of the year, at some point, I encourage us to do this at some point. And it can, it can be painful, uh, but it's very rewarding. Is, is at the, if you were a business owner, and some of you are or have been, at the end of the year, one of the things a business owner will do is they take an inventory of their stock and everything that happens in their store. They have to even for taxes. They have to take an inventory because what, whatever they bought, whatever they didn't sell, all the tax stuff, right, Bonnie? Am I kind of hitting it, right? You know, because you do taxes and things. So it takes an inventory if you're a, a business owner. Today, we, we need to understand that we are, we are the owners of our life. We, we need to take an inventory of our life and how this last year went. So we need to look back and say, how, how did we do this last year? How did we do in business? If, if you sell, uh, uh, if you, sell you know, widgets um, and, and you've been selling widgets uh, you know, all year long and you probably sell a few other things too, at the end of the year, you're going to say, wow, I, I bought 1,000 widgets last year. And you count them up and you say, I still have 950. Well, that's going to tell you some stuff. You didn't do very well at selling widgets. And, and, and you have to make an inventory. Should I continue to sell widgets? You know, what, what should I do? What, what am I going to do differently? Today, what we want to begin to do is say, hey, how did I do last year? How did I do last year? How did I treat my spouse? How did I treat my kids? How much time did I spend in the Word? But actually, let's, let's back that up for a second. Let's take inventory of some other things. How many f- tests did I fail? How many triumphs did I have? And you start beginning to mark these out. And it's, 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 it could be painful because you might have had a year that you went, man, that was a bad year. I didn't do very well. But then we go, okay, well, let's put in these other things. How much time in the Word did I have? How much time in prayer did I spend? How much time encouraging other people? How much time giving thanks? And, and you begin to add these things up. And often what happens is we have more failures less triumphs, more failed tests when we have less time in the Word, less time in prayer, fellowship, thankfulness, encouraging others, living outside of ourselves. As, as these things happen, we, natu- the natural, spiritually natural byproduct is that we have success and prosperity in our life. It doesn't always come financially, but I believe that God blesses those things too. That, that we can have financial blessings. He says he's going to provide for us and, and that he owns the cattle on a thousand hill. And, you know, when you have a financial need, you just got to tell, God, you just gotta tell dad, hey, dad, I think you got to sell one of your cows because I need some money. 
And, and you pray and you believe. But when we have the time in the Word and the time in fellowship, we're going to find that these other things are better and better. We're going to have more triumphs. We're going to have more testimonies and more progress in our life. But it's time to take an inventory. And it's going to be a little specific for each of us because you're going to find the things that you need to work on specifically. And, and, and so, so we're going to take an inventory. What worked this last year? What didn't? What do we need more of? What do you need less of? There's things in your life that you're just finding you're, you're doing too much of. And you go, you know, I need less of that. I need, I need less confusion. I need less busyness. I need less TV time. Begin to take an inventory. I was reading this week, and John Piper said this in a, in a message from uh, a few years back. He says, and it was a, it was a New Year's message, he says, we need the perseverance of Christ in the face of affliction. Going into the next year, he was thinking, what do we need? He says, we need the energy and strength of Christ in the face of depleting pressures. Depleting pressures. We need the wisdom of Christ in the face of complexities of life and ministries. Isn't that true? We need wisdom. We need the stability of Christ in the midst of rapid social political and personal changes all around us. Boy, we are, in, the, we are in, a, in a generation that changes so incredibly rapid. I can't, I can't even keep up. I, I've, always felt my, I've always felt young, and, and I, I can relate with young people, and life is changing so quick. Socially, politically, we need the stability of Christ in the midst of all of the rapid social and political personal changes. We need the assurance of his sovereign authority in a culture that is sliding farther and farther from his truth. We need Christ more than ever. We need Christ in our lives more than ever. We need the stability of the word of God in our lives more than ever. The enemy is ramped up and moving rapidly, causing us to question, causing believers to question moral foundations of their life and just letting the Word of God and its structure and stability in our life to be eroded because of social pressures and changes. One of the... I'm not, I'm not going to go here, but this is... I, I just. One of the things that I see that's, that's happening in society and it's, it's of the enemy is the sadness and brokenness that's coming in the form of questioning your sexual identity and your sexual orientation like never before. For thousands of years, thousands of years, the, the idea of homosexuality was, was barely existent. There's always been a few people who, maybe some girls who, who like to, to, you know, play with the trucks instead of the dolls, and, and we called them a tomboy. But did they, how many of them questioned their actual gender for thousands and thousands of years? And suddenly, in the last 20 to 30 years at the most, 
Yes, homosexuality has been rising up, but in the last really 10 years, the idea of maybe you're not even the gender that you were born in is running rampant. And it's eroding. It's not just that, but it's, it's eroding the foundation of the Bible, whether it's true or not. And, it's, and unfortunately, we're not going to see the effects of this for 10, 20, 30 years. Because, because the enemy is coming in and bringing confusion, and society is making that confusion normal. This week alone, in little old Big Bear, I had two conversations with different people who just told me very nonchalantly, it was actually last week, very nonchalantly, you know, it was, it's been tough because, you know, one of our, our kids, you know, was confused about their gender, but they switched over and everything's good now. Twice last week in Big Bear. We, got, we don't have a lot of people. Why? This isn't normal. This isn't normal. But it's an absolute undermining from, from the enemy. Now listen, I want to say this clearly. The people that are, are, are hurt and confused, they're not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. And he's bringing confusion. Kids have always been confused. Do you know that the average uh, college person will change their major it used to be, it might be more than this, three times between their freshman and their senior year. And I know people have changed it a lot more than that. We're talking about an 18-year-old to 22-year-old doesn't know what they want to do for a living, but a 12-year-old knows that they're the wrong gender. Now, hear me, my heart is breaking, but what I'm saying is that people are confused. And we as adults, instead of guiding people, have watched the society slip away. We need Christ in the face of infliction, in the complexities of life, in the midst of rapid social, political, and personal changes. And we need the assurance of his sovereign authority in a culture that's sliding farther and farther from his truth. Those statements were so incredible. I, I, I just had to read them and thought, this is exactly what we need. Believe it or not, this is the final message in the book of Ephesians. It's the final, final message. We have made it through the book of Ephesians. And I wasn't even going to go back and preach the last message because we, we really got through most of it. In the book of Ephesians, we got through. We, we, I, I, I loved our journey through. But remember, we talked about spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And then we had um, Pastor Abel talk about prayer, and prayer was the, really the last major point of the book. And so I said, well, we didn't have a final, final uh, a sermon on it, but I just felt the Lord brought it up that we needed, we, we needed to close it out this week. I went, okay, Lord, so what do you want to do? And he just began to reveal it. So we're going we're gonna to do this really quick. We're going to go through a, a whole synopsis of the book of Ephesians in nine minutes. And here's why. We spent six or so months studying the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians gives us uh, a roadmap in how to live, how to walk in Christ. It gives us a foundation. So we want to this morning kind of sum all these things up to get them fresh back in our, in our mind and in our heart 
So when we go into 2019, we're living according to the Word of God. We want to live according to the Word of God. And Ephesians is a wonderful place. And, and Ephesians, if you remember, it's, it's, it was written by Paul, but it started out, um, and I'm going to be reading out of the, e, um, out of the NLT because it's just um, really good. I'm going to read some actual uh, passages. Let's keep the uh, volume for the record level up, but maybe bring my house volume down just a tad. I love the beginning because it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. We have every spiritual blessing in Christ. Not some. He de God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. God wanted to do that. And it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he's poured out on thus who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son. Going down a little bit further, says, God has revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a pl plan to fulfill his own ple good pleasure. We're part of the plan of God, and it gives God pleasure that you're part of it, that he redeemed you, that he redeemed me, and put us into the fold of, of God. And, and the, it goes on, and it begins to say that we were once in darkness. Remember, we, we, we studied through this. You and I were lost we were without God. We were without Christ. We were in darkness. We, we had no hope in this world. And by his forethought and his planning, he pulled us out of the darkness and he put us into the family of God and he forgave our sins and he redeemed us and he gave us a new hope and a new future. We start off with this to help us understand God is in control and he did the work for us before we get into some of the things that he talked about like do this and do this and don't do this he wants us to understand our foundation was part of the plan of god that he purposed in his heart to redeem you specifically because he loves you and then paul goes on and he says ever since i heard of your faith and your love for god i have not stopped thanking god for you and so this prayer for us as we go in, we need to know that Paul prayed this and know that I pray this for you and that you should be praying it for each other and for me that we, he, we ask God, the glorious Father, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight. Why? So that we might grow in the knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he's given to those he calls. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Verse 19 says this, And I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. What is his power? It's the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand. He didn't pray that we would have God's power. We already have it. He prayed that we would understand it understand the power of god that's awesome and this is how we want to start the new year's understanding the power of god his grace his mercy that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light to the son he loves in chapter two we talked about that we were made alive 
in Christ. And I love verse 4. It says, God who is so rich in mercy and He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. God saved you, verse 8. Well, you've heard it in a different translation. But God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. We can't boast about it. So he's telling us God did all this. Rest in Him. Rest in Him. Rest in Him. And then we're told that we are God's masterpiece. You remember that? We, 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 we had a, a couple of weeks we talked about you are God's poem. You're God's masterpiece. As you go into this next year, understand who you are, how God loved you so much even when you were ugly. I mean, you know, just sin is ugly. It's devastating. And He loved you in that place and chose you. And then He says, you are my poem. You are my masterpiece. We're no longer strangers and foreigners. You're not a stranger to God. You might feel like a stranger to God, but as you go into 2019, know that you're no stranger to God. You're part of His family. You are the elect of God. You are predestined. He loved you from the very, very beginning. It's not like one day He goes, oh wow, there's Bev. What should I do with her? From the very beginning. And He says, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Your citizenship isn't on this crazy planet. Randy Stonehill, a uh, a Christian artist from the 70s, and, and he, he was around the 80s. He had this great, funny song. It's called um, Great Big Stupid World. We're on a great big stupid world. And it just goes round and round. And, and I've heard that. It was just so true. Sometimes it just feels like this world is just this great big stupid world. It's full of chaos, craziness, sadness. But our citizenship isn't here. It's in heaven. Our God is a great God, and He loves us. And He's had a plan from the beginning of time to bring those who didn't know Him, Jews and Gentiles alike, and that's us, to Him. He begins to then go in in chapter 3 to pray for our spiritual growth. 2019, receive this prayer. It says, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything, I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. That Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. That your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And that you may have the power to understand how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is His love. God, let us know Your love this year. Let us know Your care. Let us know your thoughts that you think about us. Let us know that we are masterpieces and part of your great design. He also goes on and says, May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Chapter 4, he, he, he talks about unity. And, and we, we, I talked about that again a few weeks, a few months ago of that we need to have unity and love for one another. As we go into 2019, let it be a year of unity. 
I hammered this a couple times. I'm going to hammer it at the end of the year. Let's let, let's, as far as it concerns us, let's let 2019 not be a year of stupid things said on social media and attacks of other people, of their belief systems on social media. I hope President Trump listens to this message. Stop saying stupid things. Let's not be so divisive with those who disagree with our political views, our spiritual views, and what TV shows the best. No more disunity. Let's let, as far as it concerns us, let it be a year of unity. Love for one another. God loved us. Let's also love one another. In, in, verse, in chapter 5, the very first part of it says, Imitate God, therefore. He tells us all these things about having unity and His love for us and His greatness and His redemption, His restoration. And He, and he goes in verse 5 and says, Imitate God in everything you do. And he, and he gives these list of things that we're supposed to be part of our life. And it, and it talks about sexual immorality and impurity and greed. Talks about drunkenness. Talks about even the way our speech and our joking. It goes on to talk about husbands and wives, how they should treat each other and respect each other, and bosses and, and owners, slaves and masters. It talks about children and parents. And it, and it begins to line out these things as we go into these next, this next year. Let our lives be full of God. Let us be imitators of God so that in all of our relationships they exemplify the love of God for us. Why? Because we are more than conquerors. Why? Because we were created as a masterpiece. Because He loved us so much. We do these things. He encouraged us to not be fooled by those who, who make excuses for their sins. Let's be a group, a, a people of God who, who can't be fooled by excuses. Why? Because we know the truth. They can't be fooled by, you can't be fooled by an excuse when you know the truth. Well, that's just not true. I just drink too much because I'm German. Oh, okay. No. That's, not, that, that, that's just an excuse. We're not going to be fooled by these. We're not going to be trapped into anything because we're going to be people who know the truth of God because we read and live by the Word of God. He went on in, in, in chapter 5. He says, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. And this is where it goes, don't be drunk with wine. But what it said, don't be drunk with wine, but do you remember what it says next? Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is God's answer for the world's thing of let's get drunk. The world says, hey, you got a problem? Let's, let's get drunk. You want to celebrate? Let's get drunk. That's, that's, that's what the world says. And God says, no, 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 no. You, you, you got a problem? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. You want to celebrate? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be controlled by the Spirit. Have the joy of the Lord. Have the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, meekness, and self-control. Drunkenness, well, there's some, you know, happiness sometimes in drunkenness, and happiness can go into sadness in like 2.2 seconds. Oh, man, it's great to see you. No, we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And have true joy, imitating Him because He loves us. Not being foolish, but being 
wise this next year. Let's make wise decisions. In all parts of our life, we're going to go and say, God, I need to be full of the Holy Spirit because I don't make the best decisions on my own, but I want to make wise decisions. It's a new year. The Bible says in Romans that, that today is the day of salvation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Today's a new day. And then, a final word. In summing all of this up, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. See, he's already talked about how this world is full of the enemy and his tactics and his, and his schemes. And he says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. We're fighting against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So put on every piece of God's armor, not just some of them, every piece, so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And I like this translation. It says, then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Don't you want to be standing firm when the battle's over instead of hiding in the corner sucking your thumb? And that's what's happened to me sometimes. You go through a spiritual battle and you just, you're, you're just done and you're just crumpled up in a ball. I want to be standing firm after the battle because I'm standing in the Lord and I'm putting on the full armor of God. I'm trusting. And he goes in and, he's, and we're going to be doing this this year. We want to be being full of the Holy Spirit and we're going to be Putting on the belt of truth. And I like this translation again. Because we don't use shields anymore. So it's a modern translation. It says, the body armor of God's righteousness. Body armor of God's righteousness. When we have His righteousness imputed to us, and then we are imitators of God, and we live in a righteous way. And the enemy comes and tries to bring accusation and attacks us, and we have righteousness. For shoes put on peace that comes from good news, the good news. So we're always prepared. The shield of faith to stop the fire arrows of the devil. Our faith grows when we have victory after victory. Our faith grows by, by hearing of the Word of God. It says, it says that our faith is built as we read and, and hear the Word of God. Verse 18, as we're coming to the close of the message end of 2018, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We need to be a people of prayer. Again, think of this is the Apostle Paul. He starts off his letter and he prays. Halfway through he prays again. And at the end he tells us to pray. Prayer is important. If prayer wasn't important, Paul would waste his time. Some people in their Christian life love to read the Bible and love to do the things and, and they want to serve God, but they, they, they just don't, they don't pray. Their prayers are, are weak. They're ineffective. Yet the Apostle Paul, praying for us, praying specific things for us, and then says to us that we should also pray. Your prayers are important. They're powerful. They're imp- we, we need to just be people of prayer. And it says all kinds of prayers on all kinds of occasions, always praying. When you don't know what to pray, you're praying in the Spirit. You're just letting Him, let the Spirit lead you and guide you. Pray, pray, pray. He even asked for this. He says, pray for me. 
Ask God to give me the right word so I can boldly explain God's mysterious plan and the good news to Jews and Gentiles. Pray that I'll keep speaking boldly for him as I should. He closes the letter saying, I'm, I'm going to send Tychicus with a full report about me. And, they and in verse 23 says, Peace be with you. The end of this year, this is our, our, the declaration, Peace be with you, brothers and sisters. May the God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ, may God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you love with faithfulness. May God's grace be eternally upon all who love our Lord Jesus Christ. This year we pay for peace for you. God's grace, which is what, grace and mercy. And I, I wanted to do this and I forgot. I got it. He gave us grace and mercy. Listen, there's a difference between grace and mercy. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. He's given you both. He's not given you what you deserve, which is death and hell and, and all the results of our sin. His mercy spares you from that. But it's, in addition to that, he says, but I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you love, joy, peace. He fills us with these things. We want to carry these things into 2019, be a people of peace, full of faithfulness and love, and let God's grace be always upon all of us who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, as we end this year, we end it in you. And with you, God, together we proclaim that last year is, is, is ending. It's, it's in the past. God, for those things that we did, we ask forgiveness. Lord, if there's anything that needs to be forgiven from last year, I pray that you would bring it up in the inventory as people will take an inventory and let them receive your mercy in forgiveness and redemption. As we leave last year and we look forward to a new day and a new year that's full of grace, God, we, we pray that we won't need more mercy, God. Your mercy is enough, and they're, but they're new every morning. God, we pray that it'll be full of love, and of faithfulness. God, a year full of prayer and the Word of God that's going to guide us through this next year. That we will be lovers of truth and lovers of God. And that we will have a testimony to share with other people that they too might come to know you in a deeper way this year. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.